Welcome to Productivity Mastery. Stoy here, a productivity and performance coach on a mission to help businesses and people get the most out of their time. On this podcast, I'll bring you exceptional performers and together unlock what it takes to perform at your highest level. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy this episode. Hello everybody, uh, my name is Toyan and uh, I'm the host and founder of uh, Productivity Mastery. Very, very excited about today's episode number 74. Uh, I'm actually in Estonia at the moment in Estonian business school here in Tallinn, enjoying a little bit of trip after 18 months of uh, you know, working from home and not really traveling much. So uh, excited to be on the road, but I'm more excited to be hosting today a very, very passionate, a very productive young man who's just crushing it. And I think he can be an inspiration for many of you who are listening right now, not just Gen Z, which is one of the topics we will talk about, but all kind of business leaders, entrepreneurs, people who are into personal leadership. Very excited to have you on. Mills, how are you today, my man? Stoyan, Stoyan, thank you so much for that. Like, thank you so much for that introduction. I really do appreciate it. And you know, I, I was always really honored and humbled to be invited to your podcast. I mean, we're now on episode seventy-four. Like, that is just insane that you've done seventy-four. <laughs> Amazing, thanks, incredible. Thanks COVID. thanks, COVID, for the opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> really honored and really humbled to be here and, and i hope i can share um some some cool some some value and, and insights around the workload that we've been doing and uh hopefully i can be of support and uh share something that someone's going to find useful amazing and those why don't you uh, introduce yourself and and give the audience a little bit of a background and and context around what have you done what is your focus today how do you support businesses yeah i'm 100 so uh uh, I'm Mills. Um, I'm 24, and I'm the CEO and founder of a media company called Tapin. And essentially, we are a media company that's first and foremost on a mission to prepare 100 million young people for the world of work. So we've got a massive kind of goal and a massive target. Um, but we also work as an agency supporting organizations in you know how they attract and engage with Gen Z talent. So nowadays you find that a lot of companies tend to find it very difficult to kind of engage with Generation Z because you know with things like TikTok and Instagram and things changing so quickly, it's very difficult for large corporates to kind of keep up to date and keep up to speed with the changing landscape. So we kind of help them just to have more clarity around Generation Z and then also build some of their strategies, you know, on how they actually go about to attract, engage and retain Gen Z talent. Um, you know, we kind of work on the biggest kind of clients, um, you know, mostly FTSE 250 uh, companies, kind of supporting them with all things from attraction, engagement, um, and retain and uh, retention, but also very big on things like diversity and inclusion. You know, we're really, really focused on, you know, how do we support organizations in how they build diverse teams? You know, what kind of things are they doing to build young teams that are also diverse? You know, because I'm sure we all know the benefits of diversity and inclusion. So a lot of our work really focuses on uh, on that as well. Thanks for sharing, man. And, and I'm also curious to hear uh, a little bit more about your personal story. Mm. So, so if you can share, you know, where do you come from and and your professional journey before you actually started doing what you're doing at the moment? 
Yeah, yeah, I think a very good question, actually. I think, you know, um, I like I like most people. Um, I was actually I was actually born in Zambia, you know, so I actually grew up in in a, in a place called Livingston, a very very small town in in Zambia called Livingston, and I spent the first uh, yeah eleven years, yeah eleven years of my life in in Livingston, Zambia, and I came here when I was eleven years old, and. Uh, I remember I couldn't I couldn't speak English I couldn't speak English at all and uh, you know uh, I came into the UK and uh, you know how it is in year six you know you come in you're fresh from a different country you can't speak English uh, you tend to have a very hard time you know I I actually remember going going to the front of the class one time and you know they were asking me they were like Mills go to the front and you know introduce yourself but I couldn't speak a lot of English so I went to the front of the class and I said. You know, my name is is Milimo, but I said it in a very fresh accent, like a really fresh, <laughs> a really fresh accent. And everyone started laughing. But when you're 11, you think, yeah, these guys are accepting that, you know, that I'm, I'm their friend or it's all good. But you, start, you slowly start to kind of realize that actually, you know, they're not laughing with me. These guys are actually, you know, laughing at me. So, you know, I experienced quite a little bit of bullying in like year six and stuff like that. But then... Very quickly, I became so focused in kind of learning the language. I think that really pushed me to learn English and to learn the language. Um, then learn English, and then I was just, I became so obsessed with learning. I became so obsessed with just acquiring knowledge, you know, and learning lots of things. And then went through high school um, and then ended up going to university to do aerospace engineering, um, which is a passion of mine that, that I kind of had from a very, very young age. And then... Um, you know, later on in university, I decided to actually drop out of university and then <clears throat> pursue um, enterprise and kind of business. I had this idea to, you know, find a way of, you know, modernizing how young people would access careers information, you know, because I had I had the, the fortune of having um, five internships at university. So when I came back, my fellow course mates were like Mills how did you get these five internships like that's that's crazy how did you get five internships so I would have these kind of very small sessions talking to them about how I did it and all the rest of it and then um, eventually I just thought actually what I'm really passionate about is helping young people to get into the world of work and then that then later on became tapping and the business that we're running today and you you spend quite a lot of time with uh, young people, Generation Z, as you said, and you yourself. How old are you at the moment? I'm 24, so I'm like 24. Z. Yeah, so, upper bound. Upper but, uh, bound. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So 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 you 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 know a lot about uh, what uh, the current uh, sort of thoughts and ambitions and desires of this generation is. Uh, could you maybe share? I'm sure many people will be curious. What are some of the main concerns and and worries and things that uh, this generation is struggling with when it comes to finding placement and finding their professional direction? Mm. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think you know, COVID has has been really difficult for young people. I think unemployment, especially for young people, has been at its highest. You know, during COVID nineteen, it's, it's affected particularly you know our young people, particularly Generation Z. You know, and uh, I know as an organization, we've been trying our best to kind of really support that with launching new communities and new channels and finding new avenues to provide them with that information and value that they need. 
Um, but in terms of concerns, I think a lot of the times there tends to be a misalignment between employers and Generation Z. You know, employers think on one hand that Gen Z want this, but Gen Z are here saying, actually, we, we don't actually want what you're giving us. You know, so what tends to happen is companies will read these very archaic reports, you know, that pretty much change. If you look at Generation Z, their wants, their needs, their habits are constantly changing. I mean, we, we, we're we literally keeping up to date with what's happening by the hour, you know. But if somebody was to write a report, that report on Generation Z would take maybe three months to write. And then it would take another two months to be published. By the time that report is released, things have changed. You know, so companies will be reading reports and looking at data from, you know, things like years and years before, thinking that that's the current sentiment of Generation Z, not realizing actually that things have changed. So I think one of the biggest kind of challenges is is just that misalignment, you know, that misalignment between what Gen Z really want from employers of the workplace and what employers think Generation Z actually want and part of our work and part of our responsibility you know as an organization as a media company is you know how can we support both parties how can we support young people you know to be more aligned with what companies are looking for you know and, and also how, how do we support organizations you know to understand generation z you know some of the biggest ones you know where, where companies will, will come to us is is you know we don't understand where how to attract generation z what can we be doing to actually attract generation z you know, and they'll come to us and we've seen companies, you know, uh, run campaigns on LinkedIn. You know, they'll, they'll spend thousands and thousands and thousands of, of pounds running campaigns on LinkedIn. But we know that only 16% of Generation Z actually spend their time on LinkedIn. In fact, only 16% of Generation Z have profiles on LinkedIn, let alone spend time on the platform. So if you as an employer are running a campaign trying to target grads or apprentices or young people, but the premise of your campaign is LinkedIn, you know, it, it means you're completely missing the mark. You know, you're completely missing the mark with where the audience is. And, and sometimes it's that kind of alignment that we, you know, come in and kind of advise in and kind of support with, you know. But, um, you know, if an employer is looking to kind of engage with uh, a younger audience, look at the platforms that they actually spend time on. You know, go onto a platform like TikTok, Go into a platform like Instagram and figure out how you can, you know, engage with Generation Z on that platform. And again, the key thing with that is you're going to a platform which is native to them. You know, you're going to a platform which they're used to. You're going to a social platform which they use every day. I'm on TikTok pretty much every day. You know, I've got TikTok breaks, you know, like a 50 minutes TikTok break just to kind of, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, I'm a centennial older generation gen z so i've got to keep myself fresh <laughs> of course you do man um you mentioned you mentioned that one of the characteristics if we can somehow generalize this generation is that they the trends are shifting really quickly um one thing is that they their interest and it's just so fast, right? Yeah. What are some other characteristics, like as opposed to, let's say, millennials and, and older generations, what, what are some other defining features for this generation mm -hmm. that you have observed? Yeah, 100%. Generations that are extremely, extremely entrepreneurial. You know, they want to start new things. They want to start new businesses. In fact, during the pandemic, you know, I read a report which was released by another kind of Gen Z agency, 
and it said um, 67% of the generations, the Gen Z they surveyed, actually started their own business. So that's that that that's huge. They they surveyed over over a thousand people, and that's like what six six hundred and seventy plus young people that started their own businesses. You know, and this isn't people that are thinking about starting a business. These are active young people that have said, actually, you know, I want to start my own business. And they've actually gone and started businesses. You know, I think with Gen Z, we'll find that, you know, it's it's so easy for them to start businesses. You know, things like e-commerce are on the rise. You know, if you look at platforms and how platforms have changed now, you know, um, Instagram has, has shoppable tags, which makes it really easy for anyone to kind of purchase items or goods directly from instagram the same has happened on tiktok we've seen that happen and you know the 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 majority of the generation that's driving that is generation z because we are so entrepreneurial we want to start our own businesses and you know if you see these ads now on on kind of youtube i'm sure you've seen one where it's like just start your own business you know i've got this i've got a free webinar free course you know you can make ten thousand pound a week you see those a lot you know, and young people are embracing that. We're seeing creativity. We're seeing e-commerce brands, you know, clothing brands, shoes brands. In fact, the merch I wear now, a lot of the merch I wear now, like I've got this, this, this hoodie from Clint. Shout out Clint. Uh, from Clint. This is my friend's brand. And all I wear now, I've bought all, all, his, all his shoes. He's got like five pairs of shoes. I bought those. He started his brand probably about two years ago online. You know, and he's a Gen Z just like me. He's also, he's 24. And we see a lot of that. We see the ease of, you know, being able to produce a business or run a business. That could be, you know, uh, a store which is selling, you know, merchandise or like goods or, you know, very, very select niches that young people actually care about. You know, so I think another defining characteristic for young people and for Generation Z is that we're, we're extremely entrepreneurial love we love the opportunity to take charge of things and run on our own you know and i think what what we do actually in in tapping is that we've introduced something called the tapping way which is um the team is is, is on kind of full-time contracts right and they they can work five days but there's that they wanted to they can take a, a, a day off a month you know i would say actually that that day is a day where you can do entrepreneurial work. So for, for one month, you can say, actually, this whole month, I only want to work four days. We're absolutely fine with that. That fifth day can be a day where you're spending time to do your freelance work or spending time to do, you know, that e-commerce brand, you know. And I think being able to adapt to the changing needs and the wants of young people is super prime. It's really important. So when employers are thinking about... Um, <clears throat> about attracting generation z how can you introduce something that allows them to be entrepreneurs you know how can you give them ownerships of of a project or give them ownership of a new idea you know part of the reason why i decided to not go into the world of work was because i had so many ideas just like most of my peers who were generation z i had so many so many ideas for things i wanted to do but then you know what would happen is i would have an idea but it would take months for it to ever come to fruition so i said to myself that was that was a huge frustration of mine actually you know the notion that i had an idea and i wanted to change something you know and i wanted to take ownership of it but i knew that it would take months and then even after months it still needs to go up to different levels and it might still be rejected you know so just things like that um, become i guess really important for young people right so 
bureaucracy and slow structures is something that this generation doesn't really like. A hundred percent. I think that that need for for flexibility for companies to be flexible, you know, to work different hours, you know, sometimes that nine to five schedule doesn't actually work necessarily, you know. So if it means um, somebody's working from eight a.m. but then they're finishing at like four p.m. or like three p.m., that flexibility in hours, because if you think about it, sometimes people sleep late. You know, I, for example, I'll sleep at 5 a.m. every day and I'll start my day at 10 o'clock, 10, 30, 11. So my day starts, but I'll finish later because that's what works for me. And I think being able to adjust and to kind of understand that actually, you know, if somebody's working nine to five, you're, you're probably not getting the most effective version of that person. Because if you're saying to them, start at nine o'clock, but they literally sleep at 6 a.m. every day, you're not doing anyone any favors. All you're saying is, look, we have this rigid structure, right, that we want you to follow. We want you to start at nine o'clock and to finish at five o'clock. We want you to continuously do that. Actually, what really should be happening is being able to have that flexibility, giving young people that flexibility to say, actually, your generation said, we understand that you love flexible working. We understand that, you know, you have to be open to different ways of working. So if you want to start work at a.m., finish at, you know, 3 p.m. or 4 p.m., absolutely go for that. So I think just being able to be flexible with how young people are working and that flexibility in working hours is, is really important. Right. And we actually have a question which I think is quite interesting is on the topic of, um, um, you'll see actually. So Anne is asking, she's saying, mm -hmm. hi, Mills. How will the job advertising look like in the near future? Will job ads, as we know it, disappear? Who runs the show? Does Gen Z have to adapt and look for jobs where companies choose to advertise or do companies have to choose but to adapt? Just trying to understand the shift, which is huge. What is your take on it? I think a very good question. An absolutely brilliant question. And thank you for asking that question, Amaya, first of all. So I'll tackle, this. I'll take, I'll tackle them kind of one by one. How will the job advertising look like in the near future? Um, difficult to say. But I think I can give some indications based on what's currently happening. So I'm not sure if you've seen, but but TikTok has, has introduced their own kind of job platform. So it's a really cool way um, of allowing young people to showcase a lot about themselves. So rather than, you know, opting for a traditional CV where, you know, you have to write your CV and most most people just lie on their CV, right? Let's, let's do this, right? It will just lie on their CV and they'll just add random things, especially when you're young people. Because what we see now is, you know, and we had a really fruitful conversation about two days ago with the team about this. And a point that came up was, you know, if you're applying for an entry level job, you know, companies are asking for you to have three years experience, three years experience and you're 20. How is that possible? It's very difficult. So, you know, CVs perhaps aren't the best way to really showcase the best a young people has so we've seen platforms like TikTok come up where they've said actually we've introduced this new um uh, platform and if you just search on TikTok, tick the hashtag TikTok resumes you see a ton of examples of how this has been done and what it basically is is you know young people are being given an opportunity to creatively showcase what they can bring to a company you know so using cool videos using TikTok, and we know that a lot of young people are on TikTok now. The majority of Generation Z is now going to, there'll be more Gen, Gen Zs on TikTok than Instagram 
by uh, in the next two years. So by the end of 2022 next year, there will be more young people on TikTok than Instagram. So I think TikTok has seen that as a shift and they're saying, actually, you know, we can actually disrupt the whole traditional job market. And how can we do that? Let's empower young people. Let's empower them and say, actually, we understand that CVs aren't the best way to showcase who you are. Instead, how can you use cool videos on TikTok? How can you use short form interactive videos on TikTok, which are based on the content that you already consume to showcase the base, the best habits and uh, the best features and, and also showcase what you can actually bring to the organization. So um, just to kind of summarize that question, how will it look like? Absolutely. It looks like videos is, is the format. It looks like integrations with platforms like TikTok and Instagram is looking like the future. Um, and then the next one, will job ads as we know it disappear? <laughs> It's uh, it's <laughs> it's it's a hard one to say. Um, personally, I don't think that job ads are going to disappear anytime soon. I think they will still be there. I think they do serve their purpose. There's still a large proportion of young of young people, perhaps, and you know, um, experienced hires and millennials and other people who still find value in job ads. So I don't think that they will essentially disappear. Of such, um, who runs who runs the show? Is it? companies or is it young people who knows who knows who absolutely knows i think it's it's important that both are aligned it's important that young people understand the needs of employers but also it's important that you know young people it's also important that employers understand the needs of young people you know and that they are changing so there needs to be that unison there between the two so i don't think one individual person has runs the show of such you know, I think there's there's a need for communication and collaboration across both fields. I hope, yeah, Anya, you uh, you enjoyed the answer of this question. Obviously, it's a question about the future, so who knows? But thanks, Mills, a lot of great uh, suggestions of where we might want to look for uh, answers and for more effective uh, attraction of, of next generation talent. What I'm curious to explore, explore a little bit is the the mindset of uh, Generation Z in general, and and maybe if you can, if you can think about like imagine I'm a 18 years old right now who's very ambitious, and I come to you and I'm like, Mills, you're very inspiring. I I don't know what to do with my life. I I'm trying to find my purpose. My classmates they they have it figured out. Here's this guy he started the business. I don't know what to do with my life. I'm stuck. What do I do? What would you tell this young person? It's a very good question, and it's 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 not even an easy. It's, it sounds like an easy question to answer, but um, it's one of those where, you know, the reason why we exist as an organization is to do exactly that. You know, you, you've really touched on the existential um, existence of Tapping, which is we're actually supporting young people to do that. And what we've been doing is that we've been trying out different avenues and just really monitoring them and really trying to understand which of them allow young people to have the most um, value, flexibility, and kind of understanding. So what, what we've been doing to kind of answer that question, I think that the best way for me to answer this question is to kind of give you guys an understanding of what we've been doing to kind of attempt to support young people in this in this space. So um, we've been producing content on all platforms. So across all the platforms where young people are actually on, 
Uh, we're just in the stages of just incepting the TikTok page right now, just around, you know, supporting young people. Um, but we've produced content on, on YouTube, but very simple content, you know, content that isn't like super complex. We've started to produce like little videos on YouTube that give you, you know, an in-depth understanding of particular roles. If you want to go into banking, there's a video there on how to get into a company like JP Morgan. And we, we really break that down very slowly. But then also on platforms like Instagram, we've got like a whole channel where we just produce like almost daily, we produce content on there, which is just going in deep, sharing all the insights around, you know, how can you get into banking, for example, or how can you get into law or tech? And it's just a constant feed of content. And the, and I guess the premise of our thinking here has always been, you know, rather than taking young people away from, you know, um, the social media and go take them to a website and say, click on this website and spend time on this website, we've tried to make all of our advice native, you know, so bringing everything away from websites and blogs and articles and forums, but creating it on native platforms that make it really easy for young people to kind of have access to them. Um, now, in answer to that question, where would that young person start? Where would they be looking at? I could definitely say start start with tapping, I guess, as a source. But, you know, I don't want to be biased. <laughs> I don't want to be biased in that sense. But I think um, sometimes it's about following people that inspire you. You know, to find out people that will really inspire you, people that you look up to, people that you find and ascertain value from, you know. And if there is a passion that you have, try and see if you can actively pursue that. Is there a lawyer that now there's tons and tons of influences across social? Is there a lawyer? If you want to, if, for example, if you, if you want to go into law, is there a TikToker or is there a, a, a person or personality or someone on, on Instagram who you can follow, an influencer, I'd call them actually, who you can follow on that channel that does that exact thing that you want to do, you know? Um, and then just try and learn from them, try and see what they do, try and see if the life that they're portraying or the work that, that they do is something that you'd actually be interested in, you know? So sometimes being able to lean on people that have been successful, people that have successful roots and use them as, um, I guess, markers for your direction if you want to go into you know influencing for example there are tons of influencers that do crazy crazy things that now there's probably like hundreds of niches for influencers that range from you know guitar playing influencers to guys that are doing things you know like fashion brands and all the rest of it find somebody who inspires you find somebody um, who does something that you enjoy or passion of yours study them you know the one thing i always say is success always leaves a route you know, if you want to be successful at something, there would be somebody who has done something very similar to you and you can study them, study their habits, you know, study their pro productive habits. What are they doing? What keeps them productive? You know, how are they, you know, what's their uh, routine in the morning? What are they doing? What's their morning routine? You know, are they reading a lot? Are they, you know, spending time in certain places? Are they meeting certain people? Are they networking? definitely believe that if you want to go into something and you want to be successful at it, success definitely always leaves a trial. It always leaves um, a kind of a route that you can obviously follow. So I'd, I'd almost say actually try and see if there are influences or people or even organizations who can provide you with that support and, and then try and, uh, try and go that, that, in that, that direction. And I can imagine a lot of young people listening to this podcast right now are 
watching you, listening to you, and they're like, wow, look at this guy. He's very confident. He knows what he wants. He's passionate about what he does. Um, and and that that's kind of the impression and the energy that you're it's coming from you, uh, obviously. But but I'm more curious, how did you how did you find this direction? Like if you can give the people the listeners some sort of a roadmap, like did you did you study some personal development books? Did you did you follow any role models and and in the industry that you wanted to be in and you started doing the habits, like what was your story in that direction? I think it's, it's interesting because I actually probably didn't realize that I wanted to go into business or startups or anything like that. I think I even stumbled upon it by accident. <laughs> um, I stumbled upon it by accident. And then, you know, it wasn't until many years after I'd done this one thing that I'd realized that actually you know, I should probably go into enterprise. Now, it's, it's a funny little story. I was uh, used to love playing video games. I, you know, used to love playing Call of Duty in particular. It's my favorite thing to do. You know, after school, jump on the Call of Duty, jump, you know, jump on the headset, you know, and play Call of Duty. But I think um, my mom also loved to watch her television shows, you know. So at the same time, I came back from school, I was playing Call of Duty, but my mom was also wanting to play her video games at exactly this. Sorry, I wanted to watch her TV show at the same time. So this one time I was playing and she wanted to watch and she was like, Mills, I want to watch my thing. And I was like, mom, I want a kill streak. I can't just, I can't, I'm 60 kills in. There's no way I can just, just jump off. I can't do that, mom. I've never reached this mass before. So she obviously, you know, unplugged my PlayStation. <laughs> she said, Mills, if you want to play your video games, then you know, you've got to purchase your own your television, and you know you can you can you can you can, you can play your video games. So I was like, "Damn, this is this is this is gonna be how am I gonna do this?" I started thinking, and I came up with an idea to kind of launch like this little business in school where you know if you needed to buy an eighteen game, I can get the eighteen game for you because I had a debit card at the time. I think I was like thirteen or fourteen, and not many thirteen or fourteen year olds had a debit card at the time, but I had one. And I'd buy people 18 games. I'd buy them also. Like, do you remember like, the, the Blackberry? Blackberry Curve. Like, lots of kids had that. So I'd buy them the covers. I'd buy the covers for, like, £5. So each for £5, make a profit. Did that over, like, two or three weeks. I think within a month, I had enough money to buy my TV. And I bought the TV. And I could play video games upstairs. And I shut down the business. It wasn't until later on that I realized that, actually... That was the inceptive stages of kind of enterprise. You know, I saw a problem and I actually had a solution serving that problem. And, you know, and then I actually realized that, you know, within me is that passion, that drive to be an entrepreneur and to solve problems. Um, and then that ended up, you know, leading to like several like businesses that failed. But I'd say that there wasn't like a particular route. I failed a lot. I failed a lot. I failed a lot. Part of the journey was that I was failing a lot. I had, you know, a business that I tried, which was a drone business. I tried to do something crazy and introduce this, you know, advertising experience, immersive advertising experience where people could be connected to drones. And um, it didn't work. It, it absolutely failed, you know. But I think the one lesson I learned is in anything that you want to do, go in with the notion that you are going to fail. You know, go in with the notion that things are not always going to go towards plan. Go in with the notion that, you know, there is no clear path 
You know, I think it's a misconception that people have that when you start something, there is one clear path. And if you follow this one guy, you're going to get it. It doesn't work like that. When you go into a new, if you're doing something, you're going to have your own unique route. You know, you can follow someone's route, but you realize that the roadblocks that they face might be very different to roadblocks that you're going to face. You know, but I think one of the most important things I think that's kept us going is just the understanding that we've accepted that we are going to fail. There is going to be some failure, you know, but I think it's the mindset that we then have to say that once we do fail, you know, this is what we're going to do to get over. We're going to keep going. We're going to keep, you know, attempting the, the next big thing. We're going to go for the next big target. You know, there's been lots and lots of things that haven't worked out. There's been lots of clients that haven't worked out. We spend hours sometimes creating proposals for clients and they just haven't gone to plan, but we don't give up and kind of stop. We just keep going. But I think that notion that young people have in particular that, you know, there is one particular route that if I follow this one guy, if I follow Elon Musk, that if I just follow Elon Musk and I follow everything that Elon Musk is doing, I'm going to make it. That guy has interviews where he says he do, he doesn't sleep sometimes, you know, and you know, it, it's this whole um, this this whole uh, entrepreneurial kind of hustle thing, and I, I don't really believe in it. I don't really believe in you know you gotta be working twenty four hours a day, no sleep. That's absolutely ridiculous. You know, your mental health is really important. You have to ensure that you have time for yourself. You know, you have to ensure that you're also working hard, but actually maintain your mental sanity and also have the flexibility to be creative you know and push yourself as much as you can you know but this notion that there's there's one route that if you follow this one route or you follow these three entrepreneurs and average them out together and it gives me my route no i think everyone's route is is, is very unique and i think uh you know um it's just it's just about being able to embrace um failure and once you embrace failure you can then have the honest and that passion to continue going. I'm really grateful that you, you're sharing this. I, I think when I was at the, that age, I had this also very similar romantic, romantic kind of perspective around how things should be, you know, I'm going to be working hard. And then I had the expectation that if I'm consistent and work hard, things are going to magically come to me. And yeah. then you start your own company and then you figure out oh it's, it's completely different right like <laughs> and uh, you mentioned elon musk one of the successful tech entrepreneurs like everybody knows about him mm -hmm. but go and study him in in detail mm. don't, don't look at the successes only mm. go and study how many hours these guys putting in how many times he he's making wrong decisions and mm -hmm. he had a lot of failures with all the companies that he had yeah. and i mean think about the day of one guy like this a lot of people say i want to be a billionaire really mm -hmm. you you, you want to be the bill you want the perks of the billionaire but mm -hmm. do you want to be do you want to get on the journey of becoming a billionaire yes, yes. once you're the billionaire bearing the the weight of mm -hmm. all the decisions you have to take the legal cases the you know the, the security issues like do you really want to be a billionaire mm. i think i think that the, the first part comes with setting the intention and i think this is something that hopefully we can be a platform with what you do with what i do with the, the other partners and so on to support people to to really create the space mm. to look inside and and say what <clears throat> what's my journey what do, what do i want my journey to be mm. 
like the Elon Musk, the Jeff Bezos, they come from some sort of background that is not yours. Mm. I, I love the fact that we can get inspired and we read books and we're discussing with you a lot of business books and so on. Really mm. important, but nobody comes from the same neighborhood that I do. Yeah. No, nobody has my knowledge, my network, and, and my passions and desires. So I guess the first step, those of you who are listening, who are in this kind of age, but not only, if you're older as well, mm. take a step back and, and really try and think about what are the things that I love to do? Yeah. And what am I curious about? What I love to do in this very moment in time? Mm. As you said, like maybe young people sometimes... I want to find the perfect job, the dream job. Mm. If you're sitting home and thinking about it and you never had a job and you want to land the dream job, what are the chances? You, you got to go and you got to try things out. You got to try a lot of things. Yeah. You got to get the experience. You got to get the, the feedback from, see, maybe you're excited about marketing. Okay, yeah. you start doing marketing and you realize, I don't like marketing. Mm. Mm. So, so, so it's this kind of a mindset of curiosity but very intentional. Yeah, I'm not sure what am I about. Great. What yeah. can I do? Let me read a book about goal setting. Let me yeah. read a book about personal productivity. Let me find a bio autobiography of somebody that I really admire and <clears throat> maybe get some pointers, but I need to adapt it to my own world. Because, mm. yeah. Milt, you're coming from one country. I come from another country. Yeah. We came through different journeys and stories. So... It really is about the self-awareness. Yeah, 100%. And I think, you know, I think one of the key advantages that you have when you're in your 20s, I'm speaking to the audience that are in their 20s, is, you know, for the majority of us, you don't have any responsibilities. You don't have any children of such. You don't have perhaps a mortgage to pay. You've got a lot of room to fail. You know, you've got a lot of room to try different things out, to try that business that you, you thought about doing when you were 17 or 18 You've got an opportunity to fail. And, you know, the repercussions of failure at this age, particularly if you're in your 20s, aren't dire. You're not going to lose everything. You're not going to lose your house. You know, you're not going to lose your kids or you're, you're in your 20s. This is the opportunity for you to go out there, to try different things, to try unique things that most people don't even have the aptitude to actually try. But use your 20s, I'd say, you know, to jump in there and fail. Like, expect to do things and fail. Let them fail. Let them literally fail. They will fail, you know, and then, you know, um, go beyond that. And I think the other thing I would add actually is, you know, you mentioned about, you know, people like Elon Musk and how Elon Musk did all these things. And, you know, you know, you said study him and really understand his journey and look at his failures and how he failed in different situations. I think the other component to that is um, capacity. You know, your capacity your capacity as, as as an individual, you know, to to take things like failure but still keep going, you know, it's something that a lot of people struggle with. You know, you might fail once or twice and you kind of give up. But I think capacity and having that capacity for, for failure, but I think also that, that capacity for learning, it's a big thing. The way I see failure is I see it as an opportunity. I see it more as a lesson. You know, every time I, every time I fail in something, it's a lesson that was mandatory, had to happen. Because through that failure, I've learned something, you know, and I think also like for me personally, you know, just in just from that capacity perspective, you know, being so connected to my faith has also been something that's been really useful for me, you know, just kind of understanding that things, life does get stressful, 
like love life does get there are times sometimes where it's just it is a lot i just go to bed and sleep <laughs> you don't hear from me for 12 hours <laughs> i'm just sleeping because <laughs> it's hard it is hard i think we have to talk about that we have to be really transparent that you know life life and especially business or whatever you're trying to pursue is not going to be easy you know but i think for me being connected to my faith you know, spending time with kind of God and kind of knowing God and, you know, having that time with him has just allowed me to kind of realize that actually I'm not in this on my own. There is somebody that I can actually lean on from a faith perspective. I can lean um, um, on God to kind of, you know, help me. And I, I'm a true believer that everything I do, everything that we do as a business, as an organization is all through the power of God. I am just a small component to his kind of plan. And I think when I got that in my head and I really understood that, it just made my life so much easier because I knew that, you know, there was something that was, there was someone that was greater than me who was actually in control, you know. But I thought, you know, from a capacity perspective and from being able to understand um, things like uh, um, understanding how to deal with, with failure and how to deal with, you know, um, so many things at the same time, it's helped me to really be connected to my faith. Yeah, and thanks so much for sharing, man. Uh, you know, whatever the listeners are believing in, uh, I think what you're sharing is is such a, such a great um, advice. You know, when you have faith and when you let go of control and understand that you can't control it all, like maybe certain things that you can impact, but if you believe you can have it all under control, then you're an illusion. Uh, but But on the other side, and maybe as I want to add on top of what you said about failure, you said, uh, you know, expect to fail and, and, but, but don't take it too far in a way of, you know, I'm not going to be responsible. And if I fail, it's fine. No, do your best thing, do your best job every time. I think, I think this is a really important kind of thing. It doesn't mean go with the expectation. I have to fail. That's not what Nils is talking about. Mm. Your expectation should be, this is what I focus on. This is what I commit to. I'm going to give it my best. I don't care if you guys are working for a company, if you're working on your own, if you're working for clients, you got to deliver. You got to deliver your very best. You got to deliver on time. You're not entitled to anything. And maybe I want you, by the way, just let me just, there's a comment from Yulia. She's, um, thank you, Yulia, for uh, tuning in. She's saying 5 a.m. routine is not for everyone. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Toxic productivity, hustle culture is not sustainable. I could not agree anymore with this. Yeah. Uh, but Mills, I'm curious to hear what do you think about this? Do you sometimes observe some young people, uh, you know, talking about entitlement, but do you observe uh, some young people? What would be your message when it comes to taking ownership and delivering, no matter it is that you are supposed to do? Yeah, I think it's it's so important, you know, just on uh, her point there, on, on, on the point there that was brought up around hustle culture by Yulia. Um, the misconception, especially from young people, especially when you're quite young, you see all these guys, you know, you see your Gary V's and, you know, you see your everyone just like, yeah, you know, your Grant Cardone tends to be very good at this one you the 10x rule you gotta work 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 you gotta spend hours you know in the lab it's great and you know there is room for that you have to ensure like you know take nothing away 
the fact that as a function of success, hard work has to be an input, right? As a function of success, hard work has to be an input. So when you understand that, also understand that you're not working 24 hours every single day. Fair enough, there'll be weekends where you're going to have to work up, you know, a bit more than, than some weekends, but don't spend the whole 24, all the time, just hustle, hustle, hustle. It's not healthy. You know, I think what people need to understand that is, is you know, you need that time to yourself. You need that time to kind of reflect. And I think if you look at how, you know, um, the best paying jobs and the higher up you are in an organization, the less you're paid for the work you actually do. You're paid for more thinking. You know, consultants get paid a lot of money to do thinking for companies. They solve problems. They take a step back and they think holistically um, as to how a problem can be solved. They're not at the forefront of working on that, pro on, on that problem. They actually take a step back and they look holistically at the bigger picture. Now, in the same way, when you're, when you're running a business, there is room, or if you're running a business or it's, you know, you're, you're, you're working for a company, there's always room for you to do the work that you're doing. But don't overwork yourself. Don't burn out because you have this task that you need to do. Think actually that, you know, and people forget this all the time. They forget that actually that the time that you have to think sometimes even far outweighs the time that you actually have to do. Because what you realize is sometimes when you're spending time thinking about a problem and not doing it, you actually have solutions, faster solutions to solving that problem rather than, and I made that mistake. I have to be honest, I made that mistake. You know, I was 18, 19, I would get up in the morning. My routine was uh, was literally, I'd get up in the morning, you know, 4 a.m. I used to do 4 a.m. up in the morning every day, you know, by five o'clock, um, you know, by four fifteen, I'm in the gym. Four fifteen to to to, <laughs> to five o'clock, I'm in the gym. Between five and six, I'm reading heavily in the in, in you know reading heavily, and then six to seven, I'm I'm like praying and meditating. Between six to to, to nine nine a.m., I'm doing work, and then I'll do nine a.m. until ten p.m. Oh, crazy! absolutely ridiculous if somebody told me at the time that mills you are wasting your time do not do that <laughs> i would have i wouldn't have listened the time but thinking retrospectively now all of what i was doing then was genuinely i realized that after maybe like 4 p.m i don't become productive i'm not productive anymore so everything i was doing after that i could have been sleeping i could have been resting i could have gone to a spa i could have met some friends i could have done something that allowed for me to be malleable in my thinking and my creativity you know and people forget that it's not about hustle culture it's not about you working all the time 24 7 hustle 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 it's not about that it's about you giving yourself the um opportunity to number one be productive and to work within certain hours and then spending time to actually be malleable in your thinking, spend time to yourself, have some time for your own mental health, you know, and actually really develop that. Yeah, and I think it's a finding your own sort of balance in between masculine and feminine sort of approach in a way, right? Like the, the masculine goal setting, hustle, do things, work hard, like, you know, have this, when you work, be really focused, right? Yeah. Like these are my, that's, you know, some of the, the reasons you, no matter how young you are, if you're now in high school, if you are in college, and if you haven't really been doing that, that's the first place to to maybe begin with. 
start setting goals, long-term goals, mm. but also daily targets. Mm. What are the results? If I if I have the most productive day tomorrow mm. and it's 8 p.m., what have I finished at this day? What have mm. I finished? Now, what mm. am I working on? What have I finished? Because many people, they're starting things. They're really good starters. But what mm. have I finished by the end of the day? What are the results that I actually produced? And then based on that, how would I structure my day, my workload, where I include breaks, I include time to rejuvenate, I include mm. some fun times, maybe mm. after five, after six, after seven, whatever it is that works for you. So I structure my day. I take ownership, whatever I promise to my clients, to my employer, yeah. to whatever, I get it done. Mm. It, there's no, there's no, nothing around it. Okay, sometimes you have days that you're not productive. That's fine. Yeah. Communicate effectively. Hey, I'm not feeling very well. I am really sorry. I cannot finish that. Can somebody cover me up? This mm. is ownership. Mm. Don't let it there. It's really, mm. really important. But at the same time, also. Almost done. Come on, give it to them. I love that. We love you. <laughs> come on, come on. No, but seriously, at the same time, also, yeah. like, you, you got to take care of yourself. Mm. You, you, you got to put breaks. You got to put places for, is it meditation, praying, exercise? Like, it, it's a it's a long-term game, man. Like, I mean, now people are talking about it right now that we are probably going to be living 120, 130, maybe more years, right? Because of the technology, healthcare, and so on, everything is evolving. Like, it's not this week and you're, you're done. No, no, you have many, many years ahead, maybe 100 more years. Mm. What are you going to do about it? How are you yeah. going to live in order to be happy and proud with what you achieve, the goals mm. that you achieve, the impact that you make, but you do it in a sustainable and self-caring way as well? Mm. So you are an yeah. example for, for future generations. Yeah, exactly. I think I'll, I'll even add to that story. I think beautifully put, 100%, like absolutely well articulated. I absolutely love that. I'd add to that that, you know, it's important to have a vision and then have goals, like you said. When you have that vision, your vision is your North Star. Your vision sits as, you know, the ultimate direction and the ultimate goal of where you need to be. That's your vision. That's like your North Star. The way I tend to kind of see it is if you're going from London to San Francisco on a flight, right? You know that the end goal is San Francisco. You're in London right now, right? You don't know. You're not doing anything. Your vision is like your San Francisco. And that's where you need to really go. But to get there, you need goals. Say, say, for example, I'm just here. I'm unemployed. But my vision is to get to San Francisco. The first thing I'll do is, okay, great. I need to get a job. That's your goal. First goal, you get a job. Next goal, I need to make enough money to buy the ticket. You make enough money to buy a ticket. Third goal, I need to get myself to the airport. You pay for a taxi, you get to the airport. Fourth goal, I need to jump on the plane and make it to where? San Francisco. There you go. Your vision is San Francisco, but you've set up smaller goals that allow you to get onto that plane and make yourself, you know, um, reach San Francisco. And that's how I tend to see it. When you have a vision, that's your end goal. That's your North Star. But then within that, set yourself smaller goals that will lead you towards reaching your final vision. That's right, man. Uh, there was an author. His name was Alan Lacane. And I, I love this quote by him. Planning is, uh, planning is bringing the future into the present so that you can do something about it now. 
mm. right? Like you, you need to start with the vision. Where do I want to be? And then you build it backwards, man. Yes. Right? Like, what do I do at mm. this very moment? How do I structure my resources, my energy, my focus today in order to be on track to achieve the thing that I want to achieve? Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and, and every day, man, every day, like you'll be so much ahead of a crowd, especially if you're now in your early 20s, let's say. Unfortunately, they don't teach us yet those kind of skills in school. Mm-hmm. But if you're consistent, if you focus on the long-term game, don't say I need to be at the top of my game today. No. In the next two, three years, if I'm consistent doing the right things, it's mm. going to compound. Yeah. It's yeah. also in business. Like yeah. if you do three more extra calls to potential customers, mm. maybe you're, you're not going to land anybody today or this week, but three extra calls for a year as opposed to the other guy who's not doing them. Mm. Think about the difference, man. Yeah. Um, so we have a great question, another great question by Anna, actually. Is productivity shifting as well? And if so, how? What does Gen Z see as being productive? Is it different? Brilliant question. Brilliant question. I think, you know, when you look at productivity, particularly with Generation Z, what we view as productivity, I think, is, is very different to how the traditional uh, a millennial or someone that's a lot older would, would, would see as productivity. You know, we, we tend to do exactly what Astor just said, which is we look at the output. You know, sometimes the best way for us to be productive isn't to set hours and say we have to be working from this time to another. Sometimes it's project-based actually here's this project that you want us to do we can allocate that might take us two hours that might take us five hours but i think a lot of the times the way we view productivity is you know we always see it as a function of a, of, of, of a finished product if somebody gives us a task and say i would like you to you know create a brand for generation z that could that could for someone that's a whiz that could take them three hours and we've seen that within our own team the projects which we we'll give the team, I might have calculated that that might take two days. Louis comes back in like two hours and it's done. Do you see what I mean? Whereas in my head, I'm thinking actually I've factored in three hour, uh, two days for this. But actually, when you set tasks based on projects and say actually here's a project, get the project completed, that could either be in two days or in three days. But I think it's also important again to be be able to communicate and to understand your team and to understand, you know, um, the young people that you're actually uh, working with, you know, but I think businesses sometimes tend to think that we'll give young people a certain number of, of hours or a certain number of days to finish this when actually they'll look at that and be like, actually, I, I can do that in two hours. And then the whole time is usually spent wasted and then it's unproductive, you know? So, Get to know the young people you're working with. Get to know generations and get to know speak to them. Have that communication with them to understand how they work, you know, what they're able to do, and then set projects. You'd be surprised by what they can actually do. That is awesome, man. And and what what would you recommend young people who really want to be at the top of their game? You work with a lot of leading companies. Mm. So so mm. from the perspective of a companies, what are the things that they're looking for? Like the traits of character. Um, is it discipline? Is it ownership? Is it working ethics? What are the 
top traits that the top top companies are looking for when they are considering hiring somebody a uh, young person they're looking for problem solvers right they're looking for problem solvers people that can come in and think about creative ways to solve problems you know they you you want to come into a company and you want companies to look at you and say wow we, we've never actually considered that before your approach has completely changed our thinking or our retrospect on this particular problem you know so the most value arguably i'd say when a young person joins an organization is you know a company is looking for someone that can come in and change or, or bring in a different perspective as to doing a, a certain thing or to solve a problem they want a fresh eye a fresh look you know because ultimately if you think about this every single company wants to be competitive right you need to be competing with your competitors you need to be doing things that are very different and you know generation z offers employers an opportunity to come in and do that so employers are constantly looking for young people that can come into the organization and help them to see things differently to solve problems differently to take different approaches to solving things you know as well as that obviously you got the, the standard things discipline you know, you have to be focused you have to have you know goals and vision and be somebody that you know uh, people can actually work with but i think ultimately one of the biggest things is you need to be able to be a creative problem solver once you come in and you're a creative problem solver you're able to absolutely do that so i'll give you an example so my younger sister she's 21 21 she's gonna absolutely kill me if i got this wrong but she's 21 and she recently applied to one of the fastest growing pr agencies they're called rise at seven and Rise at Seven have the, one of the most competitive graduate programs in the whole entire country. And, you know, the deadline had passed for the application. So uh, what she did was she went on Twitter <laughs> and she tweeted the founders and said, you know, um, I've created this microsite about your company. Go check it out. The ball is now in your core. This is probably like a week after the deadline actually approached. She went viral on Twitter, absolutely viral on Twitter, viral on LinkedIn. In fact, not just Rise at 7, but she had Google, Facebook, Amazon, Walt Disney, about 20 companies offering her jobs. They were offering her to, to fly her out, you know, pay for her accommodation for a year, pay for her flight, pay for her food. And she's actually now in South Korea. She's, she's now in her last month because she flew out there because, uh, you know, she likes K-pop and all that. And the company that was in South Korea offered to pay for everything. She's now there and she's been a month. But again, it, it just goes to show that actually what companies are looking for isn't what's on your CV. They're looking for creative problem solvers. You know, so if you're a young person and you're watching this, look at an organization and think, how can I approach this problem in a very unique way? right? How can I go into this situation? How can I solve this company's problem in a unique way that they've not really um, seen before? I love it, man. Not not problem bringers, but problem solvers, right? Like not people that uh, come and here's a problem, what should I do? And of course, a lot of young people, they don't have the experience. They often will have this question, which is normal. Mm. But, but if you want to stand out, you, you want to be the problem solver mm. and take initiative. Like, you know that even if you don't have so much experience, you you take ownership and you you come up with a suggestion, a solution. Yeah. So underrated, man. So underrated. I think young people focus a lot on skills, a lot more on skills. Like, let's say, in the creative industries, I want to be a really good designer and I want to be really good in video making. And they focus on technical things a lot more as opposed to 
the the personal leadership, the mm. the mindset of I'm going to propose a solution and I'm going to move on with it. And I'm sure yeah. them that. Um, so so I think that's uh, and a concept actually that uh, I listened to a podcast with uh, Steli FT is the CEO of uh, a company called Close. Mm. And one of the episodes was about uh, the podcast, by the way, is, is called the, the Startup Chat. Uh, one of the episodes he spoke with uh, his co-host about the concept of managing up and how important and how grateful is every founder, but I think also every business leader, when you have p- people who are managing up. What does that mean? Meaning the busy manager, the busy entrepreneur, having people under in the row map of the things that will come and say, hey, you didn't send me this email. I need this thing. Could you could you bring it to me? Right? Like people who take ownership and, and actually managing the people who are managing them. Because at yeah. the end of the day, the managers, the entrepreneurs, the leaders, they're busy. Mm. It, the, the problem is they have to take so many decisions. So if they can unload a little bit to their team, amazing. And if the team is actually supportive in a way coming and saying, you did not send me the thing you you, you told me you're going to send me. I, I need it because I need to finish this. Or here's this problem that came out. I already thought about this solution. Mm. I'm moving with it. What do you think? Should I move with it? Yeah. As opposed to uh, there's a problem, what should I do? Right, it's a it's a big difference in this. So, yeah, it's a massive thing. So it's a massive thing, and I think I am really honored, really humbled to have a team that you know take full ownership and and they're able to kind of uh, you know take things. And I think everything that we've been able to do has has literally been solely down to the team, you know. And I think just exactly what you said, you know, the the opportunity to be like, here's a problem, the team will solve it. They're really good at that. Uh, and I'm really grateful for that. I'm really grateful for them. But you make a very good point there, Stoyan. Amazing. Mills, uh, it's been such an amazing hour. Really, really grateful. Uh, the time is flying and and hopefully sometime in the future we're going to have you back in the podcast. But since we, we have to close it in, in a few minutes, um, where could people find you on the one side, you know, companies that might be interested into um, getting better into attracting the best young talent on the other side, young people who want to get inspired, get educated, where could people find you online? Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, I, I'd say definitely check me out on, on LinkedIn, biggest platform right now. So just search my name, as you can see there, Milamo Banji. And I look like this, if you're looking at, if you're wondering how I look. <laughs> so just search Milamo Banji. Uh, and then if you're on Instagram as well, it's Mills underscore 10. There we go on the screen right there. All right. And then you also have a web page, yeah? Yes. And the web page, if you want to check us out and see what see we're where, all the work that we do, it's wearetapping.com. So check, check out wearetapping.com. Amazing. Well, Mills, thank you so much uh, for today. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in, uh, asking questions, engaging listening to us uh, on the podcast uh, and uh, Mills, any final words, your message to the audience, to the young people who are excited <laughs> about having a passionate and productive life? 100%. Stay, stay focused. Don't get distracted. Uh, embrace, embrace, embrace failure. You know, and remember you've got your 20s. You've got, you've got time. You know, you've got, like Stern said, 
you know, a life expectancy now is 130 years. So you've got another 100 years on you. <laughs> uh, but, but on the serious note, definitely, guys, embrace failure, uh, go into things with a focus. Uh, I think just, just lastly, just want to honor you. I honor you, Stoyan. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I'm really humbled. You're doing fantastic work with the Productivity Mastery uh, podcast. Um, guys, I'd urge you to listen to all the other episodes. I'd urge you guys to, if you're not subscribed already, subscribe to the podcast. Check out Stoyan. Check out the fantastic work that he's doing. Um, because honestly, Stoyan, I'm really, 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 really humbled to be uh, to have been invited to the podcast and to share a bit of value. Thank you so much, Mills. Thank you for, for the kind of words. And, and it's just an inspiration seeing somebody at such a young age have achieved and impacted so many young oh. people and, and created so much value for companies. Your story is an inspiration. And, oh. and I know it's just the beginning, man. We, we, there's so much in front of you to give. So I'm excited to, to follow your journey, brother. No, likewise, sir. likewise, likewise. There is inspiration and, and honestly, such an honor to be on the podcast. Thanks so much. And thanks everybody once again for listening and see you once again at the next episode of Productivity Mastery. Thank you guys for listening. And if you're looking for somebody to help you step up your team performers and boost your productivity, make sure to check out stoyanyankov.com for online workshop solutions and programs designed to help you go through the current situation in a smoother manner. Stay safe and keep moving forward.